This will be the last of the series that we've been teaching on man, the image of God. And in this particular series, we've been dealing with the body of man, uh, which is the outward man. And in the previous teaching, we had a look at uh, what it is that God has promised us in his word that he would do with regards to our bodies. And again, I take you back to what we originally um, stated at the outset of this teaching is that uh, the analogy that we could put to this particular teaching is that um, God is the landlord of our bodies and we are the tenants uh, because we see under the new covenant that our bodies in fact belong to God. And so we said that as uh, tenants we have certain responsibilities uh, for the property that we dwell in but we also have certain rights to expect of our landlord so to speak. And God has um, given us his word on certain aspects with regards to what he has said he would do with regards to our bodies. And one of the things that he said that he would do is that he would maintain these bodies in divine health. Um, obviously we have to meet the responsibilities, there are certain requirements that we have to uh, meet in order for us to enjoy the benefit of that, but we saw that the scripture is very plain that under the new covenant that uh, the oath scripture and uh, one of them we quoted was in 1 Peter 2.24, which in fact is also just quoting an Old Testament uh, prophecy. And the scripture says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And so we said that uh, our Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, he could have just gone straight to the cross and died for our sins. Um, but he, he didn't do that. Um, there was certain other things that he um, incurred before he went to the cross. And one of those things that he incurred was uh, the scourging from the Romans on his back. And um, that is what that scripture means when it says that by his stripes you were healed. And the reason that Jesus incurred that scourging <coughs> was so that we could be healed in this life. And so God has uh, given us his word that he will maintain these physical bodies in divine health in, the, in this life. But we obviously have to believe it. Um, and we're not going to go into any depth on that. You can go in the previous teaching and catch up on that side of it. And then we saw that our Lord would also take care of our physical needs. This is something else that God has said that he would do uh, for us under the new covenant. We, this is all, uh, this whole teaching pertains to the physical body and that these bodies do have physical needs. They need nourishment, they need to be clothed, we need to be housed. And so God has said to us that he will take care of our physical needs. Um, a lot of people spiritualize this Christian walk to, to the extreme that everything's in the spirit and there's nothing in the natural. But that's not the case at all. The Bible is balanced again. We have dealt with being balanced in this uh, teaching series so far. And part of the balance is God takes care of us in the natural as well. And so he does. He nourishes this physical body that we dwell in. Um, he clothes us with the, the, the clothing that we need. And he also gives us a place to, to live. And so God does take care of everything uh, with regards to our physical bodies as well. But again, we said that there are certain responsibilities we have to meet, and one of them is we have to be uh, employed. We have to be doing a, a good day's work. Now, 
we didn't say um, that if you can't find employment that God won't take care of you. We said that's not the case at all. We said the scripture says that the one who will not work, uh, neither shall he eat. But the person who's looking out there, actively looking for employment, they, we said, uh, can expect God to take care of their physical needs, and God does do that. And so that you can also go back on the teaching and just get more detail on that. So those are two aspects of our lives that God said he would take care of for us. He would take care of our physical health, and he would take care of our physical needs. That's what he does. Um, if we meet the conditions, and the primary condition we have to meet is we have to believe it because we receive nothing from God except by faith. And that is, uh, again, you can go back on the previous teaching. And then we said that we also have to be looking out for the rest of the body of Christ. Again, we're looking at physical needs of the body of Christ. And so um, it's very important for us to be aware of our brothers and sisters in Christ and their physical needs. If they're suffering want, then the body should be taking care of itself. And uh, that is another aspect that uh, the way that God does in fact take care of our physical needs is he does it through fellow believers. Um, and so the one part of the body has an abundance at one time, the other part lacks. And so the one who has the abundance is meant to share with the one who lacks so that there is equality in the body of Christ. And that's one of the ways that the Lord does take care of all of his saints within his body. The body nourishes itself from that aspect. And so we come to the last section that I want to deal with with regards to the body of man today, and that is the fact that these bodies are in actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. And we'll open up with the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. The scripture says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Now, the concept of the body being uh, the temple of the God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, um, was never taught under the Old Covenant. Um, the reason being is that the Old Testament saints uh, were not born again, and so God could not dwell within their bodies. Now, the reason that God dwells within our bodies is because He dwells within us. The Scripture says, your body, go back to verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we in turn dwell within these physical bodies. And so when the scripture says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, it's talking about our spirits. So because our spirits have been born again, our spirits are free from all sin. There's no sin present there. And so the Holy Spirit can take up residence within our spirits. And because our spirits dwell within these bodies, um, the Holy Spirit also then dwells within these bodies. And these bodies have therefore become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we say, the, the Old Testament saints, this was not a concept taught to them, it's not a concept they understood. The very uh, first time that the concept of a physical body being used as the temple of God uh, was mentioned by our Lord Jesus in John 2.19. Remember, he said to the guys, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They didn't understand what he was saying. They thought he was talking about the physical temple that he was standing in but he was talking about the temple of his body. 
And so Jesus was the first person to uh, be in the earth who in fact um, his body was the temple of God because God dwelt within the body of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that was the first time that we were exposed to this truth that God in fact does indwell individuals. Now since our Lord has been raised from the dead obviously now that all of the church has become the temple of God. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why, in fact, it's the primary reason why in Romans 12, 1, it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The reason that he tells us to do that is because these temples, these bodies are the temple of God. He dwells within them. And these, this is his temple. And so, you know, it, it, we... We don't understand the concept of the temple in today's uh, um, church environment. One of the reasons we don't understand it is because the Jewish temple no longer exists. Now, it will be rebuilt, and uh, we don't know how long in the future that's still to take place. But if that temple was present um, today, the way that the Jews would... Um, treat that temple and that and that the area around that temple it would be a very holy place from the point of view of they would not allow it just anybody to go it wouldn't be a, a sightseeing area that a tourist could go, could go walk through um, because the jews would understand and did understand when they did have the temple i'm not, not talking about when the jews went completely stupid and they started putting all of their uh, Baal sacrifices into the temple. I'm talking about the times when the temple was in fact dedicated to the Lord, when Solomon built the temple and you had certain kings that, um, that did um, honor the temple of God. Um, so in those times, and even at the time of our Lord Jesus, but even in the time of our, our Lord Jesus, you recall that on more than one occasion, our Lord had to drive out of the temple area the merchants who were using that uh, to actually be a place where they could make money. And so our Lord you know, got quite angry about that issue. But nevertheless, uh, most of the Jews, once the temple was erected, and if it was erected today, they would treat that temple as a very holy place um, and not allow just anybody to go in there. In fact, uh, you know, no Gentile was allowed into the temple area because um, God instead, you know, this uncircumcised in the flesh shall not enter. And so it was uh, any, any Gentile went into that temple at the, the risk of their own lives. But be that as it may. So the point that I wanted to get across here is under the Old Covenant, they understood the holiness of the temple of God. They didn't always get it right, but most of the time they understood the holy, holiness of the temple of God. Under the New Covenant, these bodies we dwell in is that temple and God dwells within our physical bodies and uh, we need to really be conscious of the fact that in fact God dwells within our bodies these bodies are his this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit um, it's a it's a it's not a subject that gets taught you know, we go through it and we, we know about it, but we don't really focus on it. Because if we did, 
we would start looking at our bodies just a little bit differently than what we normally do. And so, that, as I say, that concept was never taught under the Old Covenant, um, that the temple or the man's body was the temple of God, because it couldn't be taught. But under the New Covenant, things have changed. Now, under the Old Covenant, there were two temples. Well, okay, there was one tabernacle, and there was one temple. The tabernacle was the first uh, tabernacle that Moses uh, designed and, and, and made. Because you you, you, know, it wasn't built because it was a temporary structure. It was a tent. Exodus uh, 26 verse 7 calls it a tent. And so that was the first tabernacle that God had then decreed that man would build. And so what happened in that tabernacle was it was divided within with, into two parts. You had the first part, which is called the holy place, and that was where the priests would minister on a daily basis and offer up the various um, sacrifices and do the various rituals in that um, part of the tabernacle. And then you had the holy of holies, which was um, could only be accessed by the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. And there was a specific reason why the high priest went into that part uh, once a year. We're not going to get into any teaching along that line. But the, the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, was kept inside the Holy of Holies. And so what the Holy Spirit was really signifying to us under the Old Covenant is that there was, the book of Hebrews teaches us this, teaches us this that there was, there, while that tabernacle is still standing, and in fact it will stand again, um, the, the, the way into the holiest of all is not yet made manifest. And even today, although we have access into the holiest of all through the veil of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the veil of His flesh and through His precious blood, it's still by faith that we have access to the holiest of all. We do have access in the Spirit, but it's by faith that we do, because none of us actually go and stand in the presence of God physically and uh, minister to him because that has not yet been made manifest and so that was the holiest of all now that first tabernacle as we said in scripture says, says to us that that tabernacle was a tent it was a temporary structure now that tabernacle was a type and a shadow of the current tabernacle temple that God indwells today for God indwells these bodies that we dwell in right now and we said the reason he dwells in these bodies is because our spirits dwell within these bodies and God the Holy Spirit dwells within our spirits but we've also seen in this uh, series of teachings is that these bodies are in fact tents they are temporary structures and so these bodies will expire one day and so th this is not a permanent dwelling that God dwells within at this point in time this is a temporary dwelling. And so the first tabernacle that Moses built was a tent, and it was a temporary structure. Now, that uh, structure went with the children of Israel as they wandered around the, the wilderness for 40 years, and it went all the way into the promised land with the Jews. Um, Joshua took that tabernacle into the promised land. Now, there was a period of time, quite a long period of time, um, where there were wars and Israel was conquering the territory um, until she had 
reached her full inheritance. Now that really came about under the reign of King David. That's when Israel extended to the full inheritance that God had ordained that she should, those, those borders that God had prophesied that she would uh, attain to. Under David's reign, Israel reached those borders. But up until that time, there were wars all the time taking place. And it was only at the end of that period, at the end of David's reign, and it was David who actually asked um, God if he could build a tabernacle. But just to go back to the scripture about the fact that the tabernacle uh, that Moses built was a tent. Um, in Exodus 26 verse 13, the scripture says, And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern which you were shown on the mountain. And so Moses built that first tabernacle for God to dwell in. And so the, the Shekinah glory of God dwelt within that holiest of all. Um, nobody got to see it. Um, I don't even know if the high priest would see it when he went in. I, the scripture is silent on that issue. But nevertheless, that's where the Shekinah glory would dwell, and that's where God's present dwelt, uh, presence dwelt uh, among the children of Israel. Now, at, at the end of David's reign, he asked God if he can build him uh, a temple. Because, you know, David's saying, you know, God, I'm building this, uh, the city and I'm building this house for myself, but, you know, what about you? You're still living in a tent. And so he has a heart, his heart's desire is to build a temple for God. Uh, God says to him, um, you can do it, you can build a temple, but you can't do it, your son will. And the reason that David couldn't build the temple for God was because he had shed too much blood and because he was a man of war. And so the temple had to be built by his son Solomon, who was a man of peace. And there was no wars during uh, the initial part of Solomon's reign anyway. Um, and so Solomon got, Solomon got to build the second temple. Now, we, as I said, the first temple, the, the tabernacle that, David, that Moses built, uh, was a type and a shadow of the current tabernacle that God dwells in now, which is our earthly tent. So that first tabernacle was a tent. This tabernacle that the Lord dwells in now is a tent as well. Now, again, the type and shadow of our resurrected bodies is the, the, the temple that Solomon built. Because when Solomon built the temple, that became a permanent structure. So no longer was God, God's presence dwelling within a tent, but God's presence was now dwelling within a permanent structure um, in the city of Jerusalem. And so that temple was a type and a shadow of the eternal temple that God will dwell in when we get our resurrected bodies from God. Because our resurrected bodies will no longer be temporary structures. They won't be tents. They will be our eternal dwelling uh, for the rest of eternity. And God will dwell within us. And so God will continue to dwell within us in our permanent dwelling place, which will be our resurrected bodies. And so the, the resurrected bodies that we will be inheriting is a type and a shadow of the temple that Solomon built. Now, um, again, uh, the reason that, that uh, God didn't allow them to build the temple 
right up front was because there were all the wars that still had to take place. And so there was, you know, Israel had not yet reached her full inheritance. And it's only when she reached her full inheritance that God said, okay, now you can build the temple. Um, And in the same manner, uh, that's exactly what's going to take place at the end of the age, by the way. Israel is still going to reach her full inheritance once again. When she does, God will say, okay, now you can build the, the temple once again. But that's something else entirely. But with regards to where God will dwell, is that when we reach our full inheritance, and that will be on the day our Lord Jesus returns to the earth, we will have our resurrected bodies and God will enter into the permanent structure um, that He will dwell in for all eternity, which is our resurrected bodies. And so, when Israel had finally taken full possession of her promised land and there was an end to wars, that's when God said, okay, now you can... No longer, you don't have to use this, the temporary tabernacle. You can now build a, a permanent structure. In the same manner with regards to us today, we are pilgrims in this earth. We have not yet entered into our, our inheritance. Um, and so we dwell in within temporary, temporary structures. We like the children of Israel, not wandering around in the wilderness, I suppose, but we certainly haven't entered into our promised land. Our promised land is the city of, the, of Jerusalem, the heavenly city of Jerusalem that God will bring down from heaven and we will dwell in the city of Jerusalem for all eternity. And remember, there's no temple in that city because God and our Lord Jesus are in fact its temple and so is the church because God indwells us and we, God will not um, change his um, location. He will remain dwelling within the saints. We are a spiritual house being built up for God to dwell in. But um, just the scripture that God spoke about to um, David when he wanted to build the temple, Acts chapter 7 verse 44 to 47, the scripture says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land uh, possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. And so that until the time of David, they, from Moses to David, there was a temporary tabernacle that God dwelt in. Uh, verse 46, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. Verse 47, but Solomon built him a house. And so when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth, there'll be no more wars because our Lord will put an end to all war. And so all of war, wars will have ceased and all uh, the, the church will have entered into her full inheritance. And then that will be our resurrected bodies and God will dwell within our resurrected bodies. And so that is the type and shadow of the 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 temple that Solomon built uh, under the Old Covenant. Now, with regards to the temple, um, there's another aspect I want to touch on, which, again, is just kind of alluding to what potential the church actually does have. And because we, we haven't been focused on it in the church, we kind of miss out on what God actually does have for us. Because we see it 
under the Old Covenant, the type and the shadow. We've already seen it under the Old Covenant, the type and shadow, the tabernacle. Uh, under the Old Covenant is our current bodies. And the temple under the Old Covenant is our resurrected bodies. But um, it was always the glory of God that sanctified the tabernacle. And let's have a look at some scripture there along that line. Exodus 29 verse 43, our Lord speaking, and he said, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And so God sanctifies his tabernacle by his glory. It's the only way it can be done. Um, he's the one who sanctifies his tabernacle, and he does it by his glory. Now, when the glory of God is made manifest in the tabernacle under the old covenant, God, that, that glory was made manifest in the whole tab tabernacle, not only in the holiest of all, and not only in the holiest of all and the holy place, but the whole tabernacle was filled with the glory of God. And let's have a look at the, the first account of when that actually happened. That's in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. The scripture says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so we, that was at the dedication of the, the tabernacle, the first tabernacle that was erected uh, by Moses under the instruction of God. And so when that tabernacle was dedicated to the Lord, that was the result, that the glory of God filled the tabernacle and Moses couldn't enter. No one could enter because the cloud of the glory of God enveloped the whole tabernacle. The second time that we see the glory of God uh, manifesting in his tabernacle, temple, to that degree is when Solomon dedicated the first temple that was built to God, and then the glory of God uh, manifested in, on that occasion. And that we see in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. The scripture says, And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Verse 11, So that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And so, on both those occasions, when the, with the, the, the first tabernacle and when the first temple were dedicated to the Lord, what happened was, was that the glory of God manifested in the temple and no one could enter because the glory of God was sanctifying the temple for God. And so, that is... Um, Again, a type and a shadow of what we can and should expect under the new covenant. You'll, hear, you'll see where I'm going on this, this line of thought. Um, so there were two things that were present in both, on both occasions when the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and no one could enter. And the two things that were present is that there was no sin present in both tabernacles. The first tabernacle, the tent, and the second, the temple. The reason that there was no sin present is because no man was inside. No one could remember. Moses couldn't enter the tabernacle when the glory of God was manifested. 
and the priests, when the temple was, um, God's glory was manifest, they couldn't enter anymore because the, the, the glory of God prevented them from entering. And so there was no sin present. It was an absolute sinless environment. The other thing that was uh, that uh, was like the catalyst for the glory of God to be made manifest on those two occasions was that bo on both occasions, the tabernacle and the temple were being dedicated to the Lord. And so we see that those are the two conditions that had to be met for the glory of God to be made manifest on those occasions. And if don't now don't forget now that's under the old covenant and that's the glory of God made manifest in physical structures now we come to the new covenant and we're looking at another tabernacle because now the tabernacle are our physical bodies and so just as the glory of God was made manifest under the old covenant when the conditions were met we can and should expect the glory of God to be made manifest in these tabernacles when those conditions are met. The exact same conditions, um, because it's the same Lord, same God. He hasn't changed. And so God will make His glory made manifest in His temple once again if His temple meets the requirements. And what are the requirements? Absence of sin and dedication to the Lord. And so that's one of the things we can um, kind of look toward in the church. It's, it's, it's something that the church should be um, taking note of and, and seeking after the Lord for. Let's look at a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Scripture says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so the scripture here says, we behold the glory of God. It says here in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And so we look upon the glory of the Lord. Where do we find it? The Bible says we look in a mirror, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And so when one looks in a mirror, one looks at a reflection of oneself. And so the glory of God dwells within us. And so when we look at the glory of God, we look at the glory of God that is already within each one of us. Now, if we were to meet the conditions of the old covenant in that we were to be these temples were, were to be completely free of sin no sin present and these temples were dedicated to the Lord then we can fully expect that the glory of God would be made manifest in these temples just as he did when he when there was the the, the dedication took place of the first tabernacle and the first temple there's no reason why God would not make his glory made manifest in his current tabernacle. There's no reason at all. If the two conditions are met, and that's where we, uh, the church doesn't get it right, is that she doesn't walk in a, a sinless condition, 
and she doesn't walk uh, completely dedicated to the Lord. But for those saints who uh, give themselves over to that, um, the, the possibility is very strong that that is in fact could, could actually take place in, the, in that particular individual's life and obviously within the gathering of the saints. You recall on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Bible says, tongues of fire came down from heaven and sat on each one of them. And that's what, that was the glory of God being made manifest physically upon each one of those saints at that particular time. And the reason for that is because their, temp, their, their, their bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, when the glory of God is made manifest, it has a lasting effect. Um, the first in, in Scripture we saw, remember when our Lord went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Mark chapter 9 verse 2, um, His body was transformed and the glory of God was made manifest through Him. Now why could that happen? It could happen because His body was the temple of God. And so God could manifest His glory through our Lord Jesus Christ's body. Now, God will make His glory made manifest through our resurrected bodies. We will see that. That will happen. But there's no reason why, as Moses experienced with the tab their tabernacle, that temporary structure, when the glory of God was made manifest, there's no reason that we shouldn't, from time to time, see the glory of God being made manifest through these uh, tabernacles today. For it's still the same God that dwells within us. And he is well able to manifest his glory. Even as he did through our Lord Jesus Christ when he, was, he, he stood on the Mount of Transfiguration. So let's just have a look at what actually the impact was when, um, because the Bible does compare the glory of the new covenant with the glory of the old. And we'll have a look at the comparative. But let's just have a look at the glory of the old before we look at the comparative. Exodus chapter 33 from verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, this is Moses speaking, please show me your glory. And verse 19, then he said, this is now God the Father speaking, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you, will see, you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Then Exodus, Exodus 34, 29. Now it was so, when Moses had come down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Verse 30. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were very afraid to come near him. And so Moses saw the glory of the Lord from behind. He didn't see God face to face. As a result of him being exposed to the glory of God, his 
body, his physical body changed because now his body shone with the glory of God. But it was a reflection of the glory of God. It wasn't shining from within Moses. All that happened with Moses is because he had been exposed to the glory of God, that his physical countenance had changed, and now his body reflected the glory of God. But it was just a reflection. It wasn't the actual glory of God being made manifest through Moses. And now that stayed with Moses for the rest of his life. Never disappeared. He always had to speak to the children of Israel after that time with a veil over his face because they couldn't look upon him because he's, he, he kept displaying the glory of God. So much so that when Moses dies, his body doesn't change. And that's why Satan wanted access to his body. In Jude, teaches us that there was a dispute that took place between Satan and Michael the archangel. And God buried Moses' body because Moses' body couldn't decay because it had been exposed to the glory of God. And that, and that, that was the glory of the Old Covenant and was just a reflection of God's glory. It wasn't God's glory itself being made manifest through Moses. Now we have God, the Holy Spirit, His glory dwelling within us. We just saw the scripture. We look at the glory of God as in a mirror because He dwells within us, the glory of God. Um, and so Paul does the comparative. And he says in 2 Corinthians verse three, uh, chapter 3 from verse 7, he says, but if the ministry of death, speaking about the Old Covenant now, written and engraved on stones, you remember Moses came down with the stone tablets, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? He's talking about the current ministry of the Spirit that dwells within us. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, talking about the old covenant, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, talking about the new covenant. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And so he, Paul is just saying, that which happened to Moses' body, because that, that, that was the effect of the glory of God under the Old Covenant. It had a lasting effect on Moses' body. But he said that was no comparative to the glory that we have, uh, can be exposed to under the New Covenant. And we should be exposed to that glory under the New Covenant. Um, and if we're not being exposed to the glory of God under the new, new Covenant like that, then there's something wrong because these temples contain the glory of God. And so if we're not experiencing at least what Moses experienced, then we're missing it somewhere along the line. Because um, we have the one whose glory transformed Moses, his body, dwelling within us. And so we have the potential for the glory of God to be made manifest through our body. Look how... Uh, there's another requirement here. Look at Moses. Before God shows him, reveals his glory to him. And remember, God only revealed his back part. Because he said, you can't see. Look upon my face and still live. And, but look at Moses' hunger for the glory of God. In verse, Exodus 33, 18, he said, And he said, Please show me 
your glory. Moses was hungry for the glory of God. And so God responds to him and allows him to see his glory from behind. And so, you know, we have, we, the church has had many encounters with the Lord over the, over the, the, the centuries. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of um, encounters that have been described of physical encounters with the glory of God. In that when, when the saints have been physically touched by the glory of God, their the, the bodies have been filled with like waves of electricity and tingling all over. They have uh, these descriptions of, they, they, they smell the fragrance of heaven. These are all physical manifestations of the glory of God. Now, people who've gone into those kind of encounters with the Lord have always cried out for more because they always come away knowing, Lord, there's more, there is more. We can experience more of the glory of God and we should be experiencing more of the glory of God because if Moses body was able to radiate the glory of God just as a reflection how much more should these bodies which are in fact the temple of God not from time to time display the glory of God as when the, the first temple, tabernacle was dedicated, as when the first temple was dedicated. Um, the, the church has not yet tapped into the potential that she has to display the glory of God. But as I say, there are conditions that have to be met. A sinless environment, dedication to the Lord, and the hunger of Moses to see the glory of God. And so I'm going to end the, the teaching on the, on the body of man, the series, on that particular point, that we need to be... Um, meditating upon this, these truths and really become um, focused on the fact that our bodies are in fact the temple of God that we have God Almighty dwelling on the inside of us and there's a lot more that God Almighty is wanting to do in us and through us than we allow Him to but we have potential to allow the glory of God to be made manifest for us. Um, but I'm going to end the teaching on that point today.